0: And the messages, probably looking back on them, they were good gospel messages. But I still had this belief that you know I'm not a bad person, and I'll be okay because God's kind. He's not going to look on somebody like me and say that you know you're I'm not I'm not having anything more to do with you. you you're going to that lost eternity, that place that we don't really want to think about
1: you went from having no faith in God to suddenly being a theologist, did you?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. You know, suddenly I was an expert. <laughs> I, 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 I Was it? they say? A little knowledge is dangerous. Suddenly you, you think you know everything and you know how God is going to think. And, and you sort of pick up on certain phrases like God is love. Well, if God loves me, he's not going to do that to me because I'm a good person. No, I've not, I've not hurt anybody, I've not done anything wrong. The fact that I might be sat there thinking, I know better than God what I need, and that's like pride, and pride is probably the, the one thing that God hates the most. But at, at that point, I was still, if you like, in denial.
1: Hello and welcome to Testimony, an encouraging look at how God works in people's lives. Well, I'm very pleased to be interviewing Ian Ellis. How are you, Ian?
0: I'm very well, thank you, Dan. Very well. Thank you very much for asking me to do one of your interviews. It's it's a
1: pleasure. No, my pleasure. I always ask my interviewees at the start, what influence did Christianity have in your home life?
0: In my home life, probably it was there in the sense that there was a Bible on the bookshelf at home that we were brought up, my brother and I, to do the right thing. We didn't go to church. I'm not from a Christian family. Any religious influences were probably going along to school assemblies, special events at Easter, Christmas... My mum particularly liked to watch Songs of Praise on a Sunday, so quite often on a Sunday, Songs of Praise would be on. I mean, back then it was on, it was in an evening when Songs of Praise was on, so often Sunday evening it would be, I think it was about six o'clock. It seems to stick in my mind. But.
1: And was it black and white in those days? <laughs> Um, I remember it in colour. <laughs> You're trying to say I'm old. Sorry, Ian.
0: <laughs> sorry, sorry. There wasn't really any, shall I say, strong Christian influence. I think my parents had some, how can I put it, religious influence on their young lives. My dad we, would tell us that, you know, he, he was a choir boy. Church of England choir boy. And that, in a sense, I think has influenced his view that he thinks he's a Christian and he's okay. I don't think he's perhaps what we would understand as being saved. Mm. And a Christian as the Bible would define a Christian and a believer. My mum, she had a Methodist background and I think quite a, perhaps a, quite an active Methodist background where they lived in in Southmoor, near Stanley, where my grandparents lived. The the Methodist Chapel was basically around the corner. And I think they were regular attendees. She was involved from, again, conversations, although she didn't really talk about it much. But certainly they they would be, when we were having chats and that with with my grandparents, they would say, oh, they did this with a chapel Was it Girls' Brigade, I think? She was involved in that, and she talked about going to Sunday school. My grandparents, certainly, they they went to Roker Park to see Billy Graham. And I remember my grandma in particular was really enthusiastic, told quite a, a lot about how much she'd enjoyed going to see Billy Graham at Roker Park. You know, as, as far as they were concerned, they, certainly they seemed to have some sort of spiritual experiences in, the, in their early lives. It's just that uh, when we were kids, I had nothing, was never encouraged or taken to Sunday school. It, it was, you know, something we, we talked about or anything like that.
1: So growing up, you maybe were aware your parents had some church activity but I guess in the home it didn't lead to any kind of Christian outcome or influence or mentality?
0: No, it, it, it didn't Dan. no, I mean it's funny, We was born in, in Anfield Plain and probably when I was fairly young, I was younger than five, we moved to Jarrow we lived in Jarrow till I was what, ten and where we lived in Jarrow, we weren't far from the hall but uh, it wasn't until uh, after I was saved and met some people that that went to the hall at Jarrow, and I went to the hall, we just used to live over there and didn't know. I had no experience, if you like, no desire, really, should I say, as well, to know anything of God, perhaps. Because of the influence of, of my parents, there was a, I wouldn't say I was an atheist. Sometimes if there was something that wasn't particularly good going on, that I'd maybe pray and, and ask God to help, but not out of any sense of understanding about me being a, a sinner and needing to get saved. More about you're a resort and can you help?
1: And did you ever genuinely believe you would be helped?
0: Um, I think more, perhaps more afterwards, that maybe if things had worked out, Uh, I would maybe think, oh, right, okay, maybe that prayer was answered. But not really sort of in any way thinking that, oh, right, I've got this issue. The first thing I need to do is pray about it. It was more, as I say, it was more like a last resort rather than the, the first recourse.
1: Yeah, those priorities have changed now.
0: Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now it's the the first thing on the agenda.
1: And Catherine's last. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in 1977, you were going to move to Workington. Yeah. You know, you move across, you're a teenager at that point. Yeah. If my math is correct. And there's still no major spiritual input until you were in high school and you had a visit by the Gideons. So perhaps you could just tell that story there.
0: When, uh, what would it be, 11, I think it would be, we moved up to, I went up to secondary school. It was a a boys-only comprehensive. And early on in the first term there, we had to go to uh, an assembly, and there was a visit from some men from the Gideons. I don't really remember what they said, I have to be honest. But what I do remember is, is that at the end of it, we were all given a Gideon's New Testament, which at the time I, I thought, well, wow, this is really good. And, and, and I remember for a little while taking it with me everywhere, reading it, looking up at the beginning where it tells you where to find things. I would have a look, all right, okay, and I'd have a read through. It still didn't really make a big impression, if you know what I mean. It still didn't give me any great desire to know more about the Lord and and about salvation. But you look back on these things and and you you just start to see how the Lord puts these little building blocks in place to get you to where he wants you to be. I've actually still got it. As I say, for a short while, it was actually quite precious. But, you know, apart from that, really, again... School assemblies, Easter, Christmas—that was the only real religious exposure, if you like. That I got no real interest in knowing more about the Lord. More concerned about sort of as you get older, music, uh, video games, sport. I got quite interested in motorsport, rallying. You know, when I was old enough, started to drive. I was starting to get involved in, in helping out at actually at, uh, rally events. A couple of times I, I, I marshaled um, when the RAC rally, as it was then, came up into Cumbria. One of the stages that was just outside Keswick, just by Bassenthwaite Lake there, I helped the, the local motor club uh, as a marshal on that stage. So we see worldly pursuits. I mean, as I grew up and started work, a lot of my work colleagues, obviously, they they were, you know, going to the pub every Friday nights and, and, and Saturdays. I wasn't. I was never really interested in that. I would say they, in some respect, certain things as as we all have, certain things of the world attract you, and that's where your interest lies.
1: Speaking of work, you would leave school and go on to do a two year apprenticeship with British Steel. Yeah. Uh, in the Workington area, I imagine. That work environment wasn't conducive towards pushing you towards some level of faith in Christianity.
0: Absolutely not. No, the uh, probably the exact opposite. I wouldn't say it was rough. It it was a different, certainly a different experience, different environment. No
1: spiritual
0: influence or emphasis at all. Looking back, sometimes the. the Obvious things like the way people talk and uh, talked and and the language and everything. Now I look back on it, and even from the language I used, now I'd be like horrified and shocked. And it's like, well, did I really say those things? It was what you did. It was it was the norm. I do remember uh, again what there was a guy that we worked with who uh, a nice guy who got saved. Don't really know all the details because back then it was like, is he okay? Is he all right? He got a bit of stick. People made fun of him. He maintained his testimony, and he never de- denied the Lord. And, and, and he was quite open. that He went to the, I think it was the uh, Emmanuel Church. He, his wife went along there. He he went along with her, and he was out in the garden. One day he was in his shed when he realised he needed to get saved. And in his shed, he asked the Lord to, to forgive him and, and, and he asked the, the Lord into his hard life. And he says, Best thing I ever did. That's incredible. Uh, amazing, isn't it? But at that time, you know, I was a bit like, oh, okay, <laughs> fair enough. And uh, just carried on with life. The way I, I, you know, thought, I'm okay. I'm not a bad person. I don't do bad things. So,
1: you know, I'll just carry on as I am. Yeah. After a few years of working in the the workshop, you would progress into the design office and there you would meet Catherine. Yeah. And Catherine was a born-again Christian, very devout, very faithful in her love for the Lord. How did your relationship come about?
0: Um, it came about because... I, I moved, like you say, I moved out of the workshops after sort of two years of ending, after finishing my apprenticeship, moved into the design office and with some office movements and stuff, uh, the the design office was like on the first floor and the office that Catherine was in was on the ground floor. So, and and um, the um, facilities were downstairs. So, you know, when you, when you need to go up, uh, I had to walk past Catherine's desk, so we, you know, we we passed like that, and I'd say, you know, morning, she would say morning back, um, and uh, it wasn't until um, in nineteen ninety three, February nineteen
1: ninety three, there was a Valentine's
0: card appeared, came through the post, and it was it was from Catherine and. and I was like, oh, wow. Um, hadn't expected it. Uh, so um, I went and, and we, we started chatting. We, we went out. Um, and the sort of the relationship um, developed from there. Uh, obviously, we, we liked each other. Um, we got on well. But um, well, as you see, um, Catherine's face it was... Um, extremely important to her, and, and very early on, she uh, she told me of her faith, what she believed, who she believed in, why, and, um, you know, she said, I go to the, the Gospel Hall on Corporation Road in Workington, do you want to come? Because I was like, oh, okay, fair enough, yeah, why not? So, um, You know, partly because, you know, I liked her and and I didn't want to upset her. And, and, uh, uh, you know, we were still sort of, you know, getting to know each other. Uh, So I said, yeah, okay, go on then. So she took me along to the gospel meeting, as we know it. Um, The first one I ever went to, I remember, was um, it was Arnold Clark, the missionary from Thailand. He was the speaker that first Sunday, and he spoke about and he shared some of the stories of what he was doing, the work he was doing in Thailand and, and in the prisons and what have you, and people getting saved, and I'm like, oh, and he gave a short gospel message, and I thought, yeah, well, this is all right, and I don't quite understand what he mean by being saved, and didn't quite get that, but it was okay, wasn't too religious, there was no vicar with a dog collar and swinging incense or anything <laughs> like that, so... Uh, Yeah, that's all right. We just sort of gradually, um, as I were sort of, we got to know each other better and our relationship developed. We'd we'd go, you know, every Sunday. And the messages, probably looking back on them, they were good gospel messages, but I still had this belief that, you know, I'm not a bad person and I'll be okay because.
1: God's kind, he's not gonna look on somebody like me and say that, you know, you're I'm not
0: I'm not having anything more to do with you. You're you you're going to that lost eternity, that place that we don't really want to think about.
1: You went from having no faith in God to suddenly being a theologist, did you? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, suddenly I was an expert. Hi, <laughs> hi, I, I what is it they say, little knowledge is dangerous,
0: suddenly you, you think you know everything and you know how God is gonna think. And and you sort of pick up on certain phrases, like, God is love. Well, if God loves me, he's not gonna do that to me, because I'm a good person. No, I've not I've not hurt anybody, I've not done anything wrong. And the fact that I might be sat there thinking, I know better than God what I need, and that's like pride, and pride is probably the, the one thing that God hates the most. But at, at that point, I was still, if you like, in denial. Catherine and I, with her mum and dad, we'd have some, you know, long conversations. She would be saying to me about the importance of getting saved, and and you know, I would be like, well, yeah, but why do I need to get saved? Because she said if you don't, you'll be lost. And I said, well, yeah, but how, how do I know and trust that what the Bible says is right? You just have to believe it. Yeah, but how do I know? Well, you just you'll know when you believe it. Alright. Uh, okay. That's a bit
1: backwards. For many of my interviewees, they were saved as children.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think it's fair to say as children we're very innocent. Um, Yeah. We're not very, you know, we don't have that scepticism of of later life. But at this point, you're in your mid, you're in your twenties. Yeah. Did you have levels of kind of doubt or were you thinking it was a lot of nonsense? Or, or, was there some level, or was there some level of kind of, there's something there but you just weren't quite sure?
0: Yes, I, I, I think uh, definitely there was doubt. No question, there was doubt about, you know, um, how, ca- how can I be certain that, that I can have faith in this, that it is right? Uh, again, there was a little bit of scepticism, I suppose, uh, maybe, given, if you like, what my background, if you like, my training, my occupation, engineering, everything's black and white. If It has to be like that for a reason. If it's not, it's not going to work. So not having that sort of black and white, in a sense, was quite difficult for me to sort of get my head around hmm. that it required faith on my part to just to take God at his word but at the same time like you say that there was as the, the, the weeks went on more and more there was this nagging voice that was saying you, you're not right with God you are at fault, you are a sinner. And whilst I tried to sort of stifle and muffle that, and no, 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 I'm okay, I'm a a good, look, I, I haven't done anything wrong. It wouldn't go away, it wouldn't go away, and it left me uneasy. I have to say it was, I wouldn't say it was a difficult time. God is very gracious in how he deals with us, and he's very patient in his dealings with us as, as he opens our eyes um, to the um, the greatness of, of his love and mercy
1: and how much we need it and how far away we are from him of ourselves. And
0: in that time, looking back on it, there were, there were times when I'd be quite positive um, I think, well, maybe, yeah. And then there would be uh, times when you'd almost sense it, uh, something had been snatched away and it'd be flipped completely.
1: And, no, it's a load of nonsense. And there would be a particular meeting when Steve Wheeler would come and speak it in Workington. Yeah. And that meeting would have a real impact on you.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean... That would be maybe two, three months after we'd started going out. We went along that that, that Sunday evening and it, and it, and it was Stephen uh, and he spoke on uh, Genesis 22 and the story of Abraham and Isaac and how Abraham was asked by God to take thy thy son, thine, only Isaac, to a place that I will show you And sacrifice him. And and in the course of that meeting, um, that's probably when the Lord said, Right, okay, enough's enough. Now I'm going to deal with you. Um, Because, you know, Stephen, um, no disrespect in any way to any of the speakers that I've heard previously. But on that night, Stephen made it absolutely clear where I stood before God, that I was a sinner. Mm. Didn't matter what I thought. Didn't matter what I thought I'd done or not done. Before God, I was a sinner. And he would deal with me accordingly. And that meant a lost eternity. And that God in his grace and his mercy and his love had provided... The Saviour, that He'd spared not His own Son, as, as God had graciously spared Isaac for for Abraham, and provided that that ram caught in the thicket, God spared not His own Son. As the Lamb of God, the the, the Lord Jesus bore my sin at Calvary. Hmm. As we got to the end of that meeting, I got more and more agitated, more and more angry. I have to be honest, I have to, probably confess I I was annoyed Uh, and at the end of it Catherine turned to me and says what do you think of that and I said this man's chipped he's a fanatic you know he can't say that I'm a sinner I'm not a sinner I've done nothing wrong he, he can't say that what I didn't get was the fact that Catherine was sitting opposite me and she had this biggest grin on her face that I you know it was like and all she said was great because she said you know afterwards she said up until then it really got no response there'd be no genuine if you like emotional response or reaction to anything that you'd heard Mm -hmm. but she said that it was clear god was speaking to you Mm -hmm. and and from that night you know i it was, it, I was in turmoil because I kept thinking about what Stephen had said that if I don't get saved I'm going to hell I don't, I don't, I don't want to go there but still there was, there was the doubts and do I can I take God at his will can I believe in him oh, well I don't know whether the Bible's true and what if it's not I suppose it took a number of days of more soul searching uh, and what have you but eventually it came to the point where it, I genuinely felt like you've, you've got to make a decision one way or the other thankfully I got down on, on my knees it was in Catherine's and uh, mum and dad's front room and I just said Lord I'm a sinner and I need to be saved hmm. Lord will you forgive me my sin and I trust you now to be my saviour I would say instantly all those doubts just went away. And, you know, the following morning, I went around to, to pick Catherine up to, to take her to work. And um, Catherine was finishing off getting, getting ready. And her mom said to me, how do you feel? And I said, like I've never felt before. I said, I, I can't explain it. There's a there's a, a piece there's a stillness. There's a. I don't know what. There's just a, a, a sense of rest that I've. I said I've, I've never known before. And she just nodded and smiled. And from that, from that, that day, that moment, you know, I've, I've never regretted it. And. Uh, you know, the, the, the Lord does deal with us, helps us. Yeah, we don't understand the Bible. He, he doesn't expect us to. You know, you learn after you've got saved that it's only you, once you've got saved does the Bible actually really begin to mean anything to you. Mm-hmm. And only then does God sort of, when you're reading it, he then helps you to understand it.
1: Because some people would say that you lived the first, 20 so years of your life and you had you had a peace you had rest curious about God you weren't convicted by God but you had to go through that period of, of unsettling and getting rid of that naivety and that innocence and that yeah. you know lack of interest and God had yeah. to put that conviction into you yeah. to kind of stir up your knees in order to then come to the point where you've, you've found that, that peace you maybe never realised you needed before
0: absolutely absolutely I mean I think I think the biggest challenges we face is that people don't realize that they need God. Hmm. They need to be saved because, like me, they think everything's okay, my life's okay, I've not got any problems, I'm not a bad person, so what do I need God for? And what can God give me that I haven't got already? simple answer is God gives us that peace. And that assurance and that rest that the world cannot give. You know, the Lord said to his disciples, My peace I give you, not as the world gives. Because mm-hmm. the world the peace the world gives is only fleeting. And then something else comes along, a different situation or circumstance comes along and it and and it snatches that peace away. With the Lord, once you've trusted him, that peace never goes away if anything it just develops i'm not saying that everything then life becomes you know um a walk in the park if i can use that phrase Mm. it doesn't we still have the same difficulties we can still in some ways perhaps more so we're not immune from things like energy price rises cost of living increases, things like that inflation and mortgage rates and worrying are we going to be able to carry on paying our mortgage are we going to be able to put food on our table and, and are we going to be able to keep our houses warm we're not immune from that but the difference is whereas the world is sort of scratching the heads and looking around to the next Prime Minister who might come up with some grand scheme of how to fix it we not have the, the peace and the assurance that our God is in control of it. He's sovereign. He knows all about it. He knew about it before it happens. He knows about what's ahead of us. So, and, and he will give us that peace and that assurance. And in many ways, even when things do get difficult, he is there, he's that friend that sticks closer than a brother to help us through those difficult times. And sometimes we don't realize until after. Hmm. and that's when we, we, we can see it and we think yeah God was with me in that situation
1: How was the news taken when you went home and told your family and when you went into work and told the lads at work that you'd become a Christian?
0: Um, with me, mum and dad they were just like oh, okay that's fine next topic of conversation is, I, I don't know whether they ever, ever got it ever grasped it. I think they started to come themselves to the gospel meeting when, when there was all the floods in, in, in Workington and the bridges were, were, were washed away. They would pick up Catherine's nana who also lived in, in the other side of the river to the hall and they'd, they'd, they'd take the like 20 mile detour to get her to the, uh, to the hall. Uh, on a Sunday evening, and they they came and they heard the gospel preached. Um, My dad now says that it it was my mum that enjoyed those more, perhaps, than him. Uh, And again, I don't know whether that's something to do with her Methodist background. But he has said to me on occasions after um, I'd spoken and shared the gospel, he he would say, oh, that was a good message. That's a message that I remember when I was a choir boy, the vicar then, would give us a good, strong gospel message. I'm still not sure whether has the Lord moved and saved them at work. Uh, Because then I I was in the office, I think perhaps people were more accepting.
1: Some would, there would be the odd comment, but most were genuinely
0: accepting, weren't really interested. When you get saved, it's the things that perhaps you didn't realize that you thought were okay to do, that you change. I used to be part of, uh, there was a syndicate doing the football pools and I was part of that syndicate. After I got saved, I went to the guy who organized it all and I just said, can I come out? And he asked why, I told him why. Don't see what difference that makes, but if you want to come out, you come out. So I stopped doing that. I also started to think again, language it wasn't as, as bad uh, as it was in the workshop but sometimes it, it could still get a, a bit colourful mm-hmm. if you know what I mean mm-hmm.
1: so I then had to start thinking about what I said and how I said it and it was it, perhaps little things like that that only afterwards you realise
0: mm. yeah the Lord was right <laughs> so you know it, it, it's still one of those things that you know certainly in the, in, in the work environment is, is quite challenging you know, to make make your faith known, how do you drop it in, in into a conversation? You know, some have, have had experience, perhaps bad experiences, of, of religion. Uh, and they just see everything as, as religion, so they, they just don't want to know. So that can be quite difficult, but sometimes you, you just have to witness without preaching to them. Mm.
1: So Catherine and yourself would continue your relationship. Yeah. And you would go on to marry Catherine. How did... Yeah. How did the marriage come about uh, and, and family life start from that point?
0: So, we got engaged in uh, 1993 uh, and married on the 4th of April, 1994. You know, still as a, as a, a young Christian, it was, you know, um, quite a lot to take in in terms of um, understanding what this new faith that I had. What did that mean and how did that um, then work in married life? But again, as I say, the Lord is very gracious in in, in, in his um, way. He leads and guides us one step at a time and, and you can look back and you can see how he just carefully shepherds you uh, in the path he wants you to go. You know, we we Um, carried on going uh, to the hall at Corporation Road obviously uh, initially uh, you know I I wasn't baptised so it would probably you know we got married in the April I think I was baptised in the July of 1994 and then came into fellowship if you like the the responsibilities that come along we, we being in, in fellowship and, and being a company, part of a company of the Lord's people, which again is one way in which the Lord helps us and guides us and encourages us and supports us with his own people, being there to offer advice and guidance in your young and early Christian life, not being overly critical because you're going to make mistakes. But just being there to support and help and advise, which was was much appreciated, got a lot of help from Catherine's mum and dad. And then, what, 1995, August 1995, Tim came along. Mm -hmm. So again, that's like, woo. So again, you're thinking about them and and how you've got a wife, now a baby to look after. Again, just relying on the Lord to give the help and, and the strength that you need. As they grow up, Charlotte was born in 98. And it, it's really as you get to know the Lord more, the more He reveals of Himself to you. You know, it's in a way, it's like any relationship. If you want to get to know somebody, you've got to spend time with them. Uh, and you've got to get to know them. Uh, so that means reading the scriptures, reading the Bible, uh, and, and praying, and sometimes not. We can get hung up on on prayer being like, very long and eloquent and and what have you. Doesn't need to be sometimes, it can be just a few minutes often. I, I was quite fortunate where we lived, I could walk to work, you know. So quite often I would be praying as I was walking, having these conversations with the Lord about the day, what was ahead, what had happened, you know the the previous day things about Catherine or the kids, um. You know, and and sometimes those those times could be very precious because you know I get to work and I think oh I got here, but you know they, they 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 were just an opportunity just to spend a little while with with the Lord and 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 get to know him. And share things with him, your doubts, your fears, because we all we all get them, uncertainties, uh, and also give thanks for, for for the good things, the things that you've prayed about uh, that have worked out and, and been resolved far better than you, you'd ever anticipated. Um, and you know, often it's it's with, I um, mean, you know, when you when you've got children, that's. Uh, particularly when they're young and, and they're not able to talk and tell you what's wrong with them, that that's often can be quite worrying and stressful because you you've got this little bundle and, and you're not quite sure that's what to do with it. <laughs> and when they're not well, that can be uh, and, and that is a worrying time, mm-hmm. concerning time. But again, you know, you can just turn to the Lord and just ask help and strength to deal with that situation you know that they would be well uh, yeah. you know, and, i mean i remember one occasion uh, catherine had gone with the kids through to see her sister at, at penrith and i got a phone call to say that charlotte wasn't well she was being taken into hospital she had serious stomach pains and she wasn't well and they weren't sure what was happening I was like, well, where do you want me to go? Well, we don't know where we're going to be, we don't know whether they're going to take us to Carlisle. As it turned out, they brought her back to Whitehaven. So I met them at Whitehaven all the time praying and, Lord, may she be all right, may she be, you know, may it not be too serious, and will the doctors know what it is and how to treat her and how to get her well again. When I eventually got to, to the hospital, uh, you know, it, 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 she was sat up in, in a cot. She seemed bright as a button. She just wanted She was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted something to eat. Them, but, of course, the doctors wouldn't, wouldn't let her have anything to eat until they'd got some uh, x-rays back and, and, and test results and, and what have you. Uh, and it got to the point where, you know, uh, she was, Charlotte was so, so upset because she was so hungry. You know, in the end, the doctor said, OK, she can have a slice of toast. Well, I've never seen you eat a slice of toast as quick in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out what they thought it was, there was nothing untoward appeared on on uh, x-rays. There was nothing untoward in the tests, the blood tests that they'd done. They just thought it was maybe some, I don't know, really bad colic or something like that. When you get through it, you're just so thankful to the Lord as to how you've got through it. The result is better than you you could possibly have hoped for. It's good to know that he's there and he and he helps and and you know the good thing is both Tim um, and Charlotte uh, trusted the Lord for themselves. Charlotte's going on; uh, she's in a fellowship here at Kilimash. So so we again we just give thanks for that.
1: You described it earlier to me that the Lord has been the best of friends ever since you were saved. Yeah. And what you've just described is that kind of really normal relationship where it's nothing elaborate, it's nothing overly religious, it's just the personal interaction that you would have with a physical friend. And to the Holy Spirit, you're able to just speak to the Lord in that normal sense. I remember Steve Clegg, who I interviewed, I think it's episode three. I remember at camp one year, he said to the kids... As I drive to, to the prisons to the to work, I speak to the Lord as though He sat in the chair next to us, mm-hmm. and on the drive we have a conversation. I pray yep. to Him, and then like I listen back to hear the Word of God, and that always struck me just how normal He made it. There was nothing overly spiritual or special. It was just that genuine friendship. That he has with his risen savior, and you've just described that same thing.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think let's be clear. We have to realize we, this is the God of heaven that we're able to have this relationship with. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to suggest that we can be flippant and mm-hmm. irreverent and I'm to put it blase. Mm-hmm. You know, we we still have to give the Lord his due respect and his due position and recognise that that he is the Lord but at the same time you know one of of the uh, the early things that I remember um, you know
1: after I got saved I was given a bible and, and you know you're like
0: okay I got this book where do I start where do I start do I start at the beginning um And and, uh, it was, I think it was Catherine's mum. You know, she said, read John's Gospel. So I started to read John's Gospel. One of the things that struck me about John's Gospel was the fact of how the Lord, he would meet anyone and everyone. He wouldn't send anybody away. Mm. Whoever they were, they, 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 they could be, you know, what you might call the dregs of society, the lepers. And he would say, come on to me. You know, they, they, they accused him, this man receiveth sinners and he eats with them. I'm thinking, that's me. That's me. But I'm thinking, okay, he, 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 when he was here um, and he walked this earth, he went out of his way to meet and to be with people. So I'm thinking, well, he's not here on the earth, he's in heaven, but he's not gonna change. So that's how, if you know, I feel like, I see how my relationship with the Lord needs to be. That I wanna spend time with him, and he wants to spend time with me.
1: I just love the fact that you've eventually get given a Bible and you've all all the 66 books of the Bible to choose.
0: Yeah.
1: And you choose one that you could have read in your Gideon's New Testament.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly,
1: yeah, see, that's, the Lord moves in mysterious ways. <laughs> he certainly does. Yeah. So, Ian, <clears throat> your family would, would grow up. I actually met you at Corporation Road on one of the Basenfeld weekends, and, you know, yeah. year after year after year, we'd we'd see each other a couple of times in the year. Yeah. But your family would move down to Marsh Assembly. So perhaps you could yeah. just say a little bit about how that move came about. That move, um, it was through work.
0: There were a number of changes being taking place in, in working in. There was new management teams and things coming in, which um, weren't to the benefit of of the organisation. Uh, and I'd been doing some work with um, another part of British Steel, as it was the consultancy part of the business, <clears throat> and they put out some. Uh, internal uh, advertisements. They were looking for for engineers. So we prayed about it, and, and Catherine said, "Well, if we needed to move, she was fine with that." So we just sort of said to the Lord, "Well, okay, if you want it to happen, you know, it, it, it'll happen." So I applied, um, had an interview, and um, I was told verbally this this one position would. Um, you know, they were going to offer it to me, and then I heard nothing else. And as it turned out, the the MD of of the business at Workington, he he, because it was an internal thing, you know, effectively an internal transfer. He'd stopped it, and uh, so um, you know, it wasn't um, going to happen. And and so we just left it as well. Okay, Lord, you you've given us the answer. You don't want us to move. Fair enough. But a few months later, I I then got another phone call from another uh, company uh, and they basically offered me a job and it meant relocating to Sheffield uh, or the Sheffield area. And what was interesting is the the internal transfer job would have probably also meant a a relocation to to Sheffield. So we're then thinking, okay, Um, what are you telling us, Lord? Well, I mean, all right, okay. Let's go with it. We prayed about it again. What should we do? Let's see. Uh, see what happens. And um, as it turned out, um, this um, position for this other company. Then uh, I was offered that, and you know, I, I took it. Because we felt the Lord was telling us to to move to Sheffield, so we moved. Um, and at the Marsh Assembly, uh, you know, were, made us welcome immediately. What was good in a way for for Tim and Charlotte was there was um, a, quite a large group of um, teenagers, uh, you know, from Christian families. Um, majority of them saved who they um, were able to make friends with because in working and as, as, as you probably know, Dan, they, they, they were on their own, basically. There wasn't mm. anyone of their own age in that assembly in Workington or even in the, in the assemblies in that area. Um, so, it, you know, in, in a way, we felt the Lord was guiding us to, to that area um, as much for them uh, as for us, that they might grow in the things of, it, uh, of the Lord, that their um, spiritual life um, would develop. Uh, and, and again, we, we very quickly, you know, we, we moved in 2011, um, and, uh, you know, uh, January 2012, um, both Tim and Charlotte asked for baptism. You know, in working in the... In, Whilst we we talked about it, there was there was nothing really there. There was no, um, if you like, uh, not to say encouragement. There, <clears throat> they they just needed that, if you like, support mm. network that they got from their, their new friends and, and and you know to see them grow in spiritual things. You know, in such a short space of time was 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 a real um, encouragement. To Catherine and I, uh, you know, we were so pleased when when they they wanted to get baptised. So you know, that that's you know that we felt the Lord um, was that telling us to to, to move. Um, we've been here now eleven years, um, and I don't think you know we, we we've ever regretted it. We never thought we shouldn't have done that.
1: Yeah. We're coming towards the end of the interview, but there is kind of two final questions. I've given you a heads up about this next one. Your son, Tim, joined the army and would ultimately need to go on various manoeuvres and and trips abroad. How has your faith helped you to cope knowing that your son is going to very dangerous territories and to kind of leave him in the hands of the Lord?
0: Yeah, I mean... That that's really sums up all, all we can do. For sure, it's hard. You know, when, when he when he came and said he wanted to join the army because he had been thinking about university and he wanted to go to university and then... to us, it seemed like out of the blue... um, he, he came along and said, no, he changed his mind. He, he wanted to join the army. He'd he gone off, he'd investigated it all found out about it all, and that's what he genuinely wanted to do. Again, all we can do is just, I say it all, (laughs) Um, is just come before the Lord and leave Tim before the Lord and just say, you know, you you know where he is at the moment, you know what he's facing at the moment, Uh, and you look after him. You protect him, you keep him safe, and and please bring him home. But always, the caveat is that I will be done. Hmm. And and just and I don't want to make it sound easy because it's not. But just to to know that ultimately the Lord is in control. And ultimately, whatever happens, we're assured that all things work together for good. For those that trust in the Lord, just knowing He's saved is it, it, a great comfort. That, mm-hmm. you know, if for us, uh, in a sense, the worst was to happen, then for Him it's the best.
1: Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it would, it would just be a, um, a parting
0: that we would see him again. We'd be together again with the Lord in glory uh, and just having that assurance and the comfort of knowing that the Lord has said I will never leave thee nor forsake thee that you know he he won't be alone. I'm not saying that you know he, he, he's not in fellowship anywhere. But he's, he's quite happy to talk about what he's believed.
1: Uh, I remember him saying there was, that he'd gone with some of his colleagues to, and,
0: and he watched one of the films that came out, I don't know, it was about Moses and, and the plagues in Egypt. I can't
1: remember what it was called now. Was it Exodus perhaps? Not yeah, sure. I think, think so.
0: Uh, and he said all the way through he would keep saying, oh, well, this is going to happen and then, This was going to happen, and this is going to happen. And he would say, Oh, well, that's not right. That didn't happen like that. And at the end of the film, as we were coming out, his mates were saying, How did you know? Oh, because it's in the Bible. Oh, right. So, um, it's not easy, but in all things, the Lord helps and sustains and gives grace to help in time of need. Hmm. And when when Tim's away, uh, you know, in foreign parts, and we can't, you know, necessarily speak to him as often as we would like, we just know that, you know, we, we can leave him with the Lord, and the Lord will look after him. Mm.
1: Well, we've come to the last question, Ian, and you've you've quoted mm. many verses tonight. <laughs> I wonder if you have a specific one that has had a, a real impact on your life since you've become a Christian?
0: Yeah, it's... it's um, Psalm 85 and verse 10. Mercy and truth are met together, righteousness and peace have kissed. You know, it's... It's it, it, it sort of... For me, it sums up... Um, the Lord and what he's done for us it, it reminds me of, of uh, Calvary it reminds me of him you know mercy and truth you could translate mercy into grace grace and truth that's what John tells us in his gospel
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: that the Lord was full of grace and truth so I'm seeing the Lord in that verse and righteousness and peace and peace I've kissed, that reminds me of, of Calvary. You know, at that place, he, the righteous one, the holy one, uh, made peace because he loves us. Um, and it's his love, his peace, um, that, you know, I, if you like, now we enjoy. And through him, God sees me as righteous. And it's amazing. Mm. It is like, it, you know, it is a great salvation. It is a great salvation. Amen. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, thank you very much for sharing your testimony tonight, Ian.
0: You're welcome.
1: Thank you for listening to Testimony Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please consider leaving a review and sharing it on social media with friends. Thank you.